to your word right now, get your Bible or your Bible app or whatever you may have, and turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. Uh, if you were with us last Sunday, you'll know that we, we only got through half of the sermon. So my, my role today is to present the other half of the sermon. Now, if you didn't hear the sermon, you probably need to go listen to it or you know, watch it on, online or our, our, our website or YouTube page or Facebook page. Because a lot of what I'm talking about will be about what I said last week. And I don't want to say the whole thing again. Then we'd have the same problem next week. Are you following all this? Come on, I want to fear some reaction. I mean, I want to know that you're with me today. Um, so, so we're going to read uh, verses, chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. Then chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. And uh, while I read this, uh, then I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask, and hello, Lisa Nado, good to see you. I wanted to say hello, God bless you, welcome back. Praise God, praise God. And any first-time visitors, good to have you. I know someone is with us from our Tuesday talk, or Thursday talk ministry, and uh, that's great to have you, uh, Lynn. God bless you back there. Um, as, as I'm reading this scripture, let the word of God touch your heart. Think of it as God is speaking to you. As we read the scripture today, those of you at home, same thing. Let, let's make it personal. So 1 John 2 and verse number 28. And now, little children, abide in me. I'm sorry, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Father, Lord God, thank you so much for your word. And thank you, Lord, that in in this country we have such freedom to read and, and, and own your word. Help us, Lord, to take full advantage of that freedom. But thank you, Lord, that your word is speaking to us today. I pray, Lord, for anyone at home or anyone here that's feeling under the, under the weather, under the weight of our culture, under the weight of life, under the weight of issues that are going on. Lord, let us set our eyes a little higher than what we see right now. Lord, speak to us through this passage. Anoint my mind and my heart and my lips to proclaim your word. And Lord, in the process of preaching your word, Lord, please be glorified, be honored, be, be happy with the proclamation of your word today. And at the same time, let the hearers, let the hearers of this message be edified and encouraged and built up. We thank you and look forward to what you're going to do through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.
sermon today with how we ended last Sunday. If you missed last Sunday, I had the worship team come up and we sang that song at the end of the service. And uh, so my, my, my point today is to give you the rest of the message. And, and there's really three things I want to talk about. And the first one I want to talk about is this. If you have any doubt in your mind or in your spirit, let me, let me break the news to you. Jesus Christ is definitely coming back. There's no if, ends, or buts about it. It's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And this reminds me of a story. I shared it at the early service today. Uh, Pamela and I were married for about uh, a year and a half or so, and we just moved into a, a new apartment. And uh, we were on the second floor of a, of a big house that had four apartments in it. And our apartment was in the upper part on the left-hand side. And, and to get there, you had to go through the front door or the back door, walk down a long hallway and up a flight of stairs and through a little hallway and then knock on our door. But one night, I'll never forget this. I, was, I don't know what we were doing. I was just sitting there. And I hear this knock on the door. And it wasn't just a normal, like a friendly knock. It was like someone was ready to knock the door down. They were, they were slamming the door like, boom, 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 boom. I said, oh. I said, who is it? No answer. And, and again, boom, boom, boom. And the door is shaking. The frame is like rattling. I said, Pam, I don't know. Who is it? Who is it? And, and, and as, as the Lord is my witness, the guy says to me, I'm Jesus Christ and I'm coming back. I said, Pam, call the police now. <laughs> and he kept on saying it. Boom, 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 boom. I'm Jesus Christ and I'm coming back. Found out later, we did call the police, and we found out later that someone was really off their medication and, and found their How they found their way to our apartment is a whole other story that I don't have the answer to. But he walked in that house out of the blue and made his way up the winding, you know, to, to our apartment and just was, almost broke our door down. 
Well, that wasn't Jesus coming back. But Jesus is coming back. I want you to know. We don't know when he's coming back. uh, And I'm not going to turn to this scripture. But uh, just for reference, Matthew 24, verse 36. Jesus was teaching about the last days and his second coming. He said, of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven know. Only my Father knows the time when the Son of Man is coming back. So let's forget about setting dates for his return. You know, that's already happened and that's come and gone. We don't do that. All we know is that he is coming back. But in that passage of Matthew 24, uh, Jesus continued to talk about when the son, when he comes, or he referred to himself as the son of man. But he said, it's going to be like the days of Noah. And uh, there's going to be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. In other words, he's saying that life is going to go on in all the sinful ways it's been going on. And then, then the Son of Man will come. But if you study Genesis 6 that talks about the days of Noah, you'll know that the days of Noah were very evil and wicked. It says the thoughts of man were corrupt. And the Lord, it says the Lord was grieved at the creation that he made. And it'll be like that when the Son of Man returns. Uh, maybe we're getting close to that. I, I would say so. But Jesus goes on and he, he talks in Matthew 24. He says, when the Son of Man comes back, it's going to be like two men working in a field. One's going to be taken away and one will be left behind. It'll be like two women working at the mill. One will be taken away. One will be left behind. And he says, watch therefore... For you don't know when the Son of Man will come. And then he goes into the parable of the ten virgins. Most of us know the parable of the ten virgins. Um, Five were ready when the groom came back. They had their lamps filled with oil. The light was burning. Five were not ready. The five that were ready came into the celebration. The five that were not ready, the door was shut and they could not get in. But in order to understand that, we really need to understand the, the principles of the Galilean wedding. And I know it was earlier this year, I believe it was, or maybe the end of last year, when I preached a message about the Galilean wedding. But let me give you a little background so we have some reference as to what Jesus was talking about. When the groom would get betrothed to the bride, we call it an engagement, but it was more serious than an engagement in our culture. They were like husband and wife, but they didn't live together. They didn't consummate the marriage, but they were like they were bound together with the betrothal. But after they did that, the groom would actually go back to his father's house where he lived, because that's how they lived back in those days. And he would go back to his father's house and begin to construct an addition onto the house, a room, maybe two rooms, so that when he did get married and it was official, he could bring his new bride back to the father's house where they would live happily ever after. The thing is, it could take him a few weeks to do that. It could take him a month or two or five or ten. It could take up to a year or longer to make this addition on the house. And then when he finished the addition, it wasn't up to him to go get his betrothed wife. It was up to his father to look at everything, realize that's all set. My son is ready for, for this undertaking to be married. It wasn't until the father gave the okay that the groom could go back to get his betrothed wife and have the wedding. So you have the setting of these five virgins that were ready and five were not ready. But their lamps were filled. They were ready for when the groom... And nobody knew when the groom was coming back. So that, that bride had to be ready 
a week, a month, several months, up to a year. She had to be ready, and, and the wedding party had to be ready for when the bride, when the groom came back. Now, just a little thing here. I was always curious about what Jesus said in John chapter 14. You may be familiar with the passage. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. But he said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you can go also. And I just wonder if the one scripture that we love in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, when Paul wrote, The Lord himself will descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and then the dead in Christ will arise, and we who remain will be caught up to be with the Lord forever. I just wonder if that... I always wondered who was going to give the shout. The Lord will descend with a shout. I just wonder if it's the father saying, Son, go get your bride! It's time now, go! I just wonder if the father's going to yell out, it's time for the party to begin. And when the son comes back, he'll find his bride all ready and raring to go. And then the the, the tradition of the Galilean wedding continues because when the groom came back for his bride, unannounced, you know, and she had to be ready and the the wedding party had to be ready. When when everyone realized that the groom was, was there, they would take the bride and put her on a mat or a pallet and lift her up and carry her like a very festive celebration and bring her into the presence of the groom that was coming into the area at that time. This is definitely a picture of the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ being caught up, raptured, snatched away to meet the Lord in the air. And 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, Thus we will always be with the Lord. So knowing a little bit of the background of the Galilean wedding gives us a deeper appreciation for what Jesus was talking about. So when he comes, whenever he comes, it's going to be a glorious day. A glorious day. It's a, a glorious teaching that Jesus gave. Paul has several teachings about the rapture of the saints. John mentions it here and elsewhere. Even Peter writes about the rapture or the second coming of the Lord in 2 Peter 3. And tell me if this doesn't sound like today. He says, In the last days scoffers will come, walking according to their own lust and saying, Where is he who was promised? And our culture today, to talk about the second coming of Jesus, will get a face of disgust and unbelief. You really believe that? Well, I really do believe that church. I do. I really do believe it. And Peter says, so be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless before the Lord. I want to ask you church. I want to ask you at home today. Do you love his appearing? Do you think about his appearing? Many times, honest to goodness, I'll I'll wake up in the morning and say, Lord, maybe it'll be today. And some people tell me, I'm not ready for the Lord's return. And I say to them, man, ready or not, he's going to come. You better get yourself ready. But I don't want to give up everything I have. Well, you know what? What you have over there is a million times better than what you have here. I'm just saying we need to, we need to be ready for his appearing. Paul said, if you love his appearing, you're guaranteed a crown of righteousness on the other side. So among everything else, man, I want to see some of us wearing a crown of righteousness on the other side. 
That means we loved, we lived for his appearing. It was always in the back of our mind, maybe today. And I'll tell you what, I think I said it last week. If it doesn't happen, it's not a bad way to live in expectancy. Because real, true Christians have been living like this ever since Paul's day. When Paul said, then we who remain will be caught up. He believed it. And all through the generations, those radical, committed Christian people had the second coming, the rapture of the saints, first and foremost in their mind and heart and spirit. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you could go there if you want, but I'm going to read it to you. Verses 51 and 52. Paul writes the word behold again. You know, something about the word behold, like, oh man, this is really something. This is something. He says, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep or die, but we will all be changed, whether you're dead or alive. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will arise, and we will be changed. And let me just clarify in case anyone's confused. When we talk about the second coming, it's over a period of time. It's not one event. The second coming begins with the rapture of the saints. So when the rapture happens, it could happen at any time. We meet the Lord, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, in the air. He doesn't come to earth then. We meet him in the air. We're raptured. We're caught away. You know, we're we're snatched out of here to meet the Lord in the air. Then what happens is the seven-year tribulation happens. And after the seven-year tribulation, when Jesus comes back then at the battle of Armageddon, he's coming to the earth to establish peace and to rule for a thousand years. So when we talk about the rapture, this is the beginning of the second coming, not the end of the second coming or the middle way through the second coming. So are you, are you in love with the idea that he's coming? Or sometimes if I talk to some people, it could be in my family, it could be people just in general, and I, I, I get onto that subject, man, I start rolling like, oh man, can you believe this guy? But that's the culture that we live in. But we've got to carry the torch, church. I'm telling you, we've got to love his appearing. It's got to be part of our personal theology. We're saved by grace, but we're living with expectancy. He's coming back again. So I want to encourage you, love his appearing. He's definitely coming back. Okay, the second thing I want to talk about is this. That when he comes, he really expects his bride to be ready. Verse uh, 1 John 2, 28. To, be, to abide in him that we may have confidence and not be ashamed when he appears. He wants us to be ready. Not perfect, but being perfected. Meaning, I'm getting better. I'm, I'm getting closer to the, the walk Jesus wants me to walk. Right, let me ask you, are you, are, do you feel like you're getting anywhere in your Christian faith? Do you feel like you're getting more like Jesus? That, that is the point, you know, to be growing in your faith. But as we're growing in our faith, we're, we're ready for when he does return. So we, um, here at the church, we, uh, over the years, we've had many weddings here. And I want to give you a, a, a little, little insight into how weddings are usually conducted. Uh, usually the, uh, the groom will come and the groomsmen will come. And we have a little fellowship in the coffee room over there. 
And all the people come in, the families and, you know, everyone, friends, and they all sit nice and reverently in the church. And there's nice soft music playing, and they're kind of waiting for the bride to arrive. arrive. And uh, usually it goes something like this. They're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're waiting a little bit more. And, then, and then as they're waiting, the volume in the sanctuary gets turned up. They, they begin to talk a little louder. They, 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 they're a little more free with their time because, I don't know, something's happening and they're, they're waiting. And uh, finally, uh, around, you know, the, the, the time of the wedding comes and goes. We don't start on time. And then that's when I usually start to peek out the window looking for the car with the bride to come in with the, with the wedding party that she's with uh, waiting for the, the wedding to begin. Well, sooner or later, the bride will show up in the parking lot, and they'll make their way to the front door, scampering to, to the front. I tell the guys, don't look out the window. You're not supposed to see the bride until you know, later. And they come in the front door. Then Pamela jumps into action, and she gets everyone lined up, ready to go for the wedding. And then the wedding begins. But when Jesus returns, it's going to be nothing like that. When Jesus returns, the bride has to be ready. It's the groom that we're waiting for. And so the bride has to be ready. And I, I, I thought about this, you know, how, how, does, uh, how does the bride uh, get ready? And, and, and what, are, what are some of the reasons why we should even get ready? And going back to Matthew 24, uh, Jesus does give some indicators why we should be ready. Uh, I mentioned some before, but he said in Matthew 24, when, when the Son of Man comes, uh, there'll be a rise of antichrists. False prophets all over the world. And we talked about that one Sunday. There'll be a rise of wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilences and diseases of which we're in, as you know. There'll be earthquakes and lawlessness will abound. And he says, this is the beginning of sorrows. Some translations say this is the beginning of birth pains. So, Ariana, when you had your little baby, you had birth pains. And when they got closer and closer together, you knew the baby was coming. It's just a matter of time. But that's what Jesus was talking about. When these things happen and closer and closer together with more intensity, then the end will come or the beginning will come when he returns. So I asked the question, like, Lord, how do we get ready and how do we stay ready for this? As a pastor, this is... This is my calling in life to make sure people are ready for when he returns. I thought the best way to describe this this readiness is is to talk about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Having a real relationship with the Lord through the Holy Spirit, which must be kept current and fresh and developing and growing. It's like a marriage or a close friendship. It's got to be alive and changing and, and evolving and adapting to situations. It's, it's got to be life-giving. For instance, when, when Pamela and I got married many years ago, um, on that wedding day, uh, we had a certain relationship at that time. But I have to tell you right now, after many years and many different things that happened through thick and thin, through through valleys and mountaintops, through kids and grandkids, and through finances and no finances and whatever we have going, our relationship is better because we stuck together. It's been a living, growing relationship. I can't imagine having the same type of relationship as I had in the very beginning with, with Pamela. Now, at this point in our lives, we've changed, we've grown, we've, we've developed in different ways, and, and our relationship reflects all of that change. 
I think about my relationship with my mother. I, you know, I talk about my mom a lot. Uh, she'll be 95 in December. And uh, we hope to go down there after church today, actually down to New York. But my relationship with my mom over the last five or ten years has t- totally developed into something I, I never would have thought. We can talk. We can listen. We can bounce things off of each other, ask opinions about different things, and just have a, just have a time of fellowshipping together. And so it is with Jesus. He wants to have this relationship with us. And when we're in relationship with him, when he comes back, we will definitely be ready for that return. But I want to talk about three different scriptures in this topic. The first scripture is this. You could write it down or make a note of it. But these three scriptures, I think, are really very important if you want to be ready when Jesus comes back. 2 Timothy 1.9, uh, referring to the Lord who has the Lord who has saved us and called us to a holy calling. So if you accepted Christ, you could say you are saved. You know, if you die, you, you go to heaven. If Jesus comes for the rapture, you're out of here with everybody else. But he's called us to a holy calling. And we're different than how we used to be. A holy calling. We're, we are now a moral people. We are now an honest people. We're now, uh, we, we're worried about our integrity. We're worried about how we come across to people because God is in us. We're saved. We, we represent the Lord. Um, we love people. We, uh, we respect people. We, we think good of people. We, we hope for the best in people. We've been changed from darkness to light. And we're saved. We behave differently. We think differently. I can remember some years ago, uh, before I was a Christian, uh, I did some recording back in those days, and every recording studio I went to was dark, and everyone thought it was cool to be in the dark. I never understood it. I said, oh, well, that, that's what recording studios are. They're dark. Very little light to kind of set the atmosphere. Well, when I got saved, I had a situation where this, this group asked me to play guitar on a recording they were making. We had to go to Virginia Beach for this recording. I walk into this recording studio like two years old in the Lord. Every light was on in the place. It was bright. It was happy. It was colorful. It was beautiful. I thought, this is a great picture of what happens. We went from darkness to walk in the light of Jesus. So we can say with confidence, if you've accepted Christ, you are saved. You're a different person than you were before. But then I go to 1 Corinthians 1.18. And Paul writes to the church there. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That's why we need to pray for those that are unsaved to be enlightened. But it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. What do you mean being saved? I thought I was saved already. Well, you were saved, but now you're being saved. For instance, when I married Pamela, I I loved Pamela. I loved her. But now I'm loving her, present tense. I loved her at the time, but now I'm loving her, giving my life to her. And and, and so we have this relationship with the Lord where it's it's new, it's fresh, it's it's alive, it's ongoing, it's developing. It's a daily relationship. We're being saved today, and each and every day we're being saved. So we could say, you know what? Grace is new every day. 
thank the Lord, grace is new every day. I don't know about you. I don't want to live in the grace I had last week. That grace is all spent already. Grace and mercy, new every day. I need mercy for today. Every day, there's an allocation. That's a living relationship. That's why we can say we're saved, but we're being saved. We can't go on what happened before. We're in the process of being saved. That's why we always like to say that none of us are perfect yet. Amen? And if you think you're perfect, I haven't said this in a long time, we have the perfect section on the platform. You're welcome to come take a seat so everyone can see how perfect you are. And thankfully, no one has ever taken that bait. But we have, we have new mercy, new grace. We have new worship. You ever notice that worship takes on a life of its own? It's new. It's fresh. It could be the same song. It could be a hundred-year-old hymn from the hymn book, but it, it takes on a new life because it's new and fresh. It's for today. Our prayers are new every day, fresh every day. Our love is new and fresh every day. So we could say we're saved whenever we accepted the Lord, but we're in the process of being saved. And if Jesus comes back while we're being saved, hallelujah, we're out of here. But if we're not in that mode of being saved, if we throw in the towel and say, oh, I'm saved enough as I am. And, and many people do. Oh, I don't need church anymore. I don't need all that, all that hustle and bustle and all that crazy. I don't need that. I, it's just me and God and I'm okay. I don't think so. So we're saved and we're being saved. But then I read in Romans 5, 9, Paul writes this. He says, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath to come. What? What is he talking about there? I was saved, now I'm being saved, and now I, I, I shall be saved in the future sometime down the road. So when you look at 1 John 2, 28, little children, abide in him that when he comes, when he appears, you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Oh, he's coming. And the wrath to come is what I would call tribulation language. The wrath to come. The, the rapture is going to happen. So we're, we're, we're caught up. Hallelujah. We're caught up. We're taken out of here. We're removed. And then the tribulation happens. And what's in the tribulation period? The wrath of God comes. The seals are broken. The bold judgments happen. All these different calamities, wars, all these terrible things happen, all this purging on the earth. But we're taken away from all of that. Hallelujah. So when, when Paul says, you shall be saved from the wrath to come, it's a future event, meaning that you're out of here when all that judgment comes upon the earth. And that's something to praise the Lord for. So we're saved we're being saved, and we shall be saved. Which reminds me of the story of the Passover lamb in Exodus chapter 12. The story is simple. You probably know the story, but the children of Israel were in Egypt. They were held prisoner for a long time, captive. And the Lord was trying to get Egypt to release them, to go, to leave. And the Pharaoh wouldn't let him go, and he, the Lord sent plagues on the land. And the ten, they, they still wouldn't let him go. The tenth plague was the worst was the worst plague. He was going to kill the firstborn babies of all the children that lived in Egypt. And the Lord said to the people of Israel, if you want to avoid this wrath, avoid this judgment, avoid this, what's going to happen, find yourself a perfect lamb. 
No spot or blemish on the land. Kill the land. Get the blood of the land. Put it over your doorpost in the front and the back. And put it over the lintels of your door and around your door. And when I come to take the firstborn child of of all the people of Egypt, I will pass over that home and not... You won't have the wrath of God upon your house. So when we think of the blood of Jesus Christ, he's the perfect lamb of God. He's the lion and the lamb, but he's the perfect lamb of God that came to shed his blood, that we would be cleansed and, 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 and bought back and, and prepared to avoid the wrath of God that's coming in the future. And for that, I give the Lord, hallelujah, a lot of praise and a lot of thanks. So he wants us to be ready, church. So to be ready, we have to be in relationship. It's just like a marriage. It's like a friendship. It's like anything else. There has to be a a, a give and take in the relationship, a, a, a communication in the relationship. That's why all the things that we do are so important like going to church and worshiping and having Bible study. All those different things are so important. Okay, let me give you the the third thing here. That when he comes, when he comes, we still must be in awe of him. I I can remember, uh, Wayne, you're going to love this, but I I have another ending. The very first time I, I went to a Major League Baseball game, and I, I would go sometimes and sit in the, in the nosebleed section. But I remember coming to Yankee Stadium as a kid on, on field level. And I, you had to go through a hallway and a tunnel. And it was like, you know, as a kid, it was a little scary. Not scary, but just odd. But I remember coming out, emerging out of the tunnel and seeing that beautiful baseball field. Oh, man. It was so colorful and clean, and all the people were there. And, man, I'm thinking uh, Mickey Mantle played there, Babe Ruth, Joe DeMatt, all these people. And there I watched, oh, it's awesome. Then when I was about 30, I went to Fenway for the first time. And I had the same feeling at Fenway. I walked down there, I said, oh, man, this is a beautiful. I was in awe of the baseball field. But how much more should we be in awe of God? But see, what happens is after we're around the Lord for a while, it gets to be the same old, same old. It's like going to a baseball game every week. You get get used to it. It's not awe-inspiring anymore. But our relationship with the Lord must must be awesome. It must be fresh. It must be supernatural. We must continue to be in awe of God. Think of it. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Does that do anything for you? The scripture says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's so amazing to me. And then another scripture says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Come to me, all you prodigals, come. You'll find rest for your soul. Just come to me. But I want to ask, are you still in awe of God? Are you still captivated by his love? Are you still fresh in your faith? Are you still thankful? for what God has done for you. I want to encourage you, don't ever forget where you came from. I know Isaiah, there's a scripture in Isaiah, don't ponder the things of the past. Those are the blessings of God. He's going to do something new now. But don't forget where you came from. I'll always remember where I came from. A, A sinner saved by grace, according to Ephesians 2. But I remember how I was. Do you remember how you were? Do you remember what you used to do? What you, how you used to think? 
Remember how God reached down and plucked you out of whatever you were into and saved your soul. That's an amazing accomplishment. And I, to tell you the truth, I'm in touch with people I grew up with at home and people through Facebook or whatever. There are people in my life that still don't understand what happened to me. They're still trying to figure out what happened to Rick Amendola. He used to be one of us. Now he's one of them. And I, and I always look for opportunities to tell them. And, I, and now I'm getting bold. Uh, one, one friend of mine who's a Christian, uh, he invited me to a Zoom meeting with some of our old high school friends. And uh, there were maybe 10 guys on there. And I haven't seen some of these guys since high school. Can you believe that? I've been out of high school a long time. But I, I recognized them. I don't know if they recognized me, but anyway. But I, anyway, everyone's, Zoom is another life all by itself. But you, you, if there's no order, it's chaos. Right? Well, you know, from men's Zoom. So I, I, I said, you know what? I got to get it. Otherwise, I'm going to leave. This is crazy. Everyone's talking over each other. So I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Let's go around the thing here. Give us your name and what, you're, what you've been doing for the last 50 years or whatever. And it was really good. It was really good. And the whole time I'm thinking, I'm going to save myself for last. And when I go, I'm going to tell them exactly what happened to me. And I did. And they were happy to hear my story, as a matter of fact. But I, I, was, I, was, I was like pleased that I, I could still be in awe of God. And the thing was, they knew who I was before. So they were a little bit awestruck, too, that the guy that they knew was now this other guy. And it was awesome to, to say that and to let people know you can have that, too. But see, if we're not in awe of God, we'll just let the opportunity go right out the window. Like, what's the big deal? The big deal is once I was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. How about you? Amen. Once I was gone, I was on my way to hell. You know, we used to sing that song, I'm on my way to heaven, shouting victory. Well, I used to be on my way to hell singing, I don't know what, whatever. <laughs> uh, then uh, you know, we heard that song, um, I'm on my way to heaven. Hallelujah, Jesus set me free. And I say, yeah, that's me. But so many people are on their way to hell. We're on our way to heaven, church. If that doesn't do something, then I don't know, something's not right. It's got to be, you know, it's got to have a reaction to us. And, and we also have to remember who God is. He, uh, Isaiah 9, 6 tells us he's a wonderful counselor. He's mighty God. He's the ever, everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's the Lord of lords, and he's the soon-coming king. So when he comes back, he wants to have a bride that's ready, but also a bride, a bride that's in awe of who he is. Last week I read a description of what he might look like with the, the hair and the, the glow and the, and the flaming uh, presence that he has. He, it's going to be an awesome experience. If we're not in awe now, I don't know if we're going to be in awe when he comes. But we need to think about what God has done for us is totally supernatural. My mother and father couldn't even do it. My brothers couldn't do it. My teachers couldn't do it. My football coaches couldn't do it. No one could fix what was wrong with me. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And like I said, it's an ongoing relationship. He's still fixing it. It's not like we arrived, you know. We haven't arrived yet. We're still on the table. We're still on the, on the surgeon's table. So we're saved and we're being saved and we will be saved, but we have to be in awe of the Lord Jesus. So uh, 1 John 2, uh, 1 John 3, 2. 
1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we're children of God. And it hasn't been revealed what we shall be. We don't know everything yet. But we know when he's revealed, we're going to be like him. Come on. That's an awesome moment right there. We will be changed. We will be transformed. We'll be transfixed. We'll see him as he really is. He'll see us as we really are. We'll be changed in an instant. And we'll be like him. So that, that should bring some, some awe to this relationship that we have with God. Let me, let me close with this. Well, actually, this is my first closing. I have another one after this. <laughs> Philippians 3. <laughs> Philippians 3.20. Uh, Paul, Paul writes, Our citizenship is in heaven. <laughs> Come on. You think you live in Haverhill, Mass? You don't live there. If you're born again, your citizenship is in glory. Your name is written down over there. You're in the books over there. And then he says, uh, we eagerly await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies. Ever feel like your body is lowly? I felt it this morning when I got out of bed because I did too much exercising yesterday. Lord, my lowly body is not, is not doing too well, but i got to preach today, but help me. But he's going to transform our lowly body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. That's a mouthful, but it says he can do anything he wants. And he can rapture his saints, and he will. And so we, we're, we're, we're written down, our names are written down in glory. We're living here, we're waiting for him to come, and we'll be transferred up there. And I'm ready to go, church. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. As the psalmist said in Psalm 33, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. In awe of God. All authority is His. All power is His. He can, he can accept us or reject us. He, he owns the whole world. He's in charge of the whole spiritual kingdom. The, the good angels and the bad angels. The angels and the demons. He's in charge of everything. And we, we let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. As the New Testament writer said in Hebrews 12... Serve God acceptably and with reverence and godly fear, for our God is an awesome fire. He's a fire. He, he burns the chaff. He's awesome. As the 24 elders said in Revelation 4, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. But you are worthy, O Lord, to receive all glory, all honor, and all power. And so there, there will be people that, that will say, when we say things like this, they'll say, you're a fanatic. And we'll say, yes, you're right. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord. It's going to happen. And people will criticize us for doing what we do, but I don't care. And we have to get to a point where we don't care what people say. We, I am in awe of God that he plucked me out of the world I was in he gave me the best wife in the world and three great kids. and grand He gave me a whole life. You know, as I look back on my life, my whole life would be so different without Jesus in it. I don't even know if I'd be alive right now. And many of you feel the same way. But God changes everything. And we must stay in awe of him. So let me conclude by this. When Jesus comes, 1 John 2, 28 to 3, 3, and he is definitely coming. He expects his bride to be ready, and we're the bride. And we must still be in awe of him. And the last verse, 1 John 3, 3. 
Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Can we say it together? Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is. So this hope, this blessed hope of his return, this blessed hope of deliverance through Christ, this blessed hope of salvation through Jesus Christ, purifies himself. In other words, we do all that we can do to stay on track with the Lord. That's why I, I, I didn't get into this part, but we, we must commit our lives to Jesus Christ. Commit our lives to a local body of believers, understanding no church is perfect, so forget that whole concept. Just go to a church that preaches the Bible. Learn how to pray. Learn how to worship. Learn how to study the Word. Learn how to fellowship. Learn how to engage in the Great Commission. These will keep us plugged in so that when Jesus comes, He'll find us ready and willing to go with Him for all of eternity. Let's say it one more time. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as he is pure. Let's stand together. Worship team, come on back up here. We're going to sing one more song as we go. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Come on. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Come on, one more time. And everyone who purifies himself Come on. (laughs) And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Amen and amen. So listen, if you missed the announcement about the chairs, they're curved. And it's, it's, it's nice and cozy. In heaven, there's no seating arrangement that I know of. But can you all, can we all gather around the front here? Can we do that? And let's just, let's just sing this song. We're going to sing this song of praise.
Lord, thank you for drawing us to yourself. Thank you for that day when somebody told somebody and somebody told us about you. And we said yes, and you said, come on in. And so, Lord, I, I want to pray a blessing over the church, over those at home as well. And before I pray, if there's anyone here... Don't leave this sanctuary until you talk to me if you've never accepted Jesus in your life. Don't leave here unless you talk to me first. Those of you at home, if you need to accept Jesus, write a note on the comments and we'll check it out later. We'll get back to you. But Father, Lord, we're, we're in one accord here. We need you. We, we know you, but we need you. We're saved, but we're being saved, and we shall be saved. So, Lord, help us to be in awe of you. As the song says, I stand in awe of you. Help us to have that in our spirit, Lord. Let us never get tired of giving you worship and praise. Let us never get tired of telling our story, how once we were that way, but Jesus came, and now I'm this way because he set me free. Father, I pray your blessing over everyone, young and old. pray your blessing over those on live stream today, oh God. Be glorified in our lives. Lord, help us, as 1 John 2.28 says, help us, Lord, to abide in you so that when you appear, we won't be ashamed. We'll be confident. And Lord, help us that we who have this hope in us, we purify ourselves just as you are pure. Help us, Lord, to do our best to stay clean and right with you always depending on your grace. But Lord, bless this congregation. Let us have a good rest of the day. Let us have a great week. And let us get back together here next Sunday, Lord willing, to once again worship and get into your word. So we thank you for it all. We pray it in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Listen, you're, you're free to fellowship. If anyone needs to talk to me to receive Jesus, don't leave until you do. God bless you.